We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday morning. It's November 1st. The Wolves play the Denver Nuggets uh, tonight at Target Center. Obviously, this is their first game after a pretty brutal loss uh, in Atlanta on Monday where they had a 19-point lead at halftime and ended up losing by 14 points. Uh, here with Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Jace, that's the the type of loss that I think is like normally very okay for the beginning of the season, uh, three games in whatever, you know, teams, particularly in today's NBA blow, blow 20 point leads all the time. But uh, this is a, uh, a pattern for, for the wolves and this group in particular for what I think really actually makes this an interesting topic is you can't really blame Rudy for it because for three now, three years now, uh, the Wolves have been getting 20-point leads and often, not all the time, but often watching them, you know, completely uh, disintegrate, which obviously precedes Rudy's time here. So I don't know why this isn't maybe the most fun topic to be discussing. It's definitely the topic uh, around the Wolves right now is, you know, what is behind uh, these Wolves meltdowns, not just the one in Atlanta on Monday, but uh, over the last few years and uh, because you can somewhat remove uh, Rudy from this, I think the three places we kind of uh, look here are at the top in Chris Finch, Anthony Edwards, and and Carl Anthony Towns and like, quote unquote, assigning blame. I don't think there's one person that's more than anyone else, but we're just trying to diagnose why this is happening um, over and over again. You wrote about this yesterday at the Pioneer Press Start me off by like you're sitting down and you're like, okay, I know I need to write about the Wolves consistently blowing big leads. I've noticed everyone on Twitter thinks it's all Finch or it's all Cat or it's all Ant or it's the Rudy trade or call a timeout. Like when you sit down, you go, okay, I have to write a true and real story about what is going on here with this team consistently doing this. Uh, where where'd you start? Yeah, I mean, I think I just, you know, I think part of it is like watching basketball around the league like how do other teams close out games things they do like um and for me it's just like you watch the best players like if you watch dallas or something like when they need a bucket like luca is obviously one of the five best players in the nba like it's making the right decisions and it's it's setting himself up um for success it's setting up his teammates for success and it's often just making controlled decisions you know like it never feels like he has lost control of the game um you know he's playing it at his own pace whatever like and then you watch minnesota and it's like as things start to roll downhill, it's like, what do I notice that's different? And then that's kind of mm -hmm. what you, you use that data in your mind to sit down and come up with like what you think is different. And for me, it totally is like, it's, it's the guys, it's like your best players who are supposed to get you out of the mud in those spots, right? Like they're supposed to be the ones who stem the tide. They're supposed to be the ones who like can kind of correct course for the game. Um, and so often for me, when I'm watching the game, it's like, uh, Minnesota's best players are the ones who are like contributing to this. Um, and they are the ones who are giving it the snowball effect where a 10 0 mm -hmm. run for the opponent turns into a 19 2 run for the opponent. Um, and I, that's just something we've seen 
a couple years in a row now. And that's not like, yes, there are things. And I even said this, like, yeah, there are things like you can do differently as a coach. And frankly, like, I agree, like, yep, Chris Finch could have changed, you know, the pick and roll coverage and whatnot. But at the same time, it is kind of like, we also think they should get good at certain things, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. and maybe adapt. Um, And so for me, it it really kind of comes down to like, what are your best players doing? And for me, and I just think that that is where you should always point the blame uh, to start out. Uh, what what are the best players doing? They're the ones who are paid the most. They're the ones with the biggest expectations, and rightfully so. And I just think that time and time again, and we've noticed it so many times now that it's like this is what they do. Um, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, who I think it's not, it's not even to- unfair at all. I think even the standard observer would say they've got a lot of bad habits, and there are things that that even gets brought up all the time, like even by Finch and and the yeah. players themselves, and like how do you correct them? Um, Honestly, dude, it's the reason for optimism with this team. Yeah, is that they got correctable. Yes. Yeah. You know, like so that they like, exist it's and they're reasonably correctable. Yeah. Right. Right. And, but then it's just every single time that things start going bad, they just yeah. fall right back into like the worst versions of themselves, mm-hmm. um, which is still not like some terrible player, but it's yeah. definitely one that kind of sparks like momentum for the other team when they both, you know, Cat and Ann start taking bad shots and forcing mm-hmm. things and bad turnovers. And maybe right. like Cat starts arguing with Russ a little bit more. Like we definitely saw that um, too in the Atlanta game, just like not getting back. Um, yeah, it all that all to me is the type of basketball that really inspires the other team to be like, wait a minute, we just got on a six zero run and we didn't have to really do anything. Uh, let's let's keep it rolling here. We've seen a formula that works. Like they're right. gonna force up bad shots. Let's just go. <laughs> let's just run down the court. And uh, now all of a sudden, guys are really flowing. They're feeling themselves, and and that happens a lot. Um, right. So that's that's just something that when you see it time and time again, it's not like this is one game. Whose fault is it? It's like this has happened a lot in the last few years what are kind of the things that stand out as the consistencies um, between it all. And to me, like every, almost every time I'm looking at like, hey, that's a terrible shot. Like, Oh, here he goes. He's trying to fix it himself um, mm-hmm. through isolation, isolation possessions. And Oh, now cat's like, well, it's struggling. I'm going to try it myself too. And yeah. there's just not, um, they just don't kind of revert to like the basketball that the team wants to play um, in those instances. You, you wrote like very basically in your piece, like what this team needs to do to, to avoid these things. They must move the ball offensively. They must avoid turnovers and take smart shots and they need to rush back and transition defense. Um, that's, not not every- even, that's just, that's just to win the game anyway. Right? Like yeah. that is, that should be, if they do those things, mm-hmm. Dan, Dan, looking at their talent, if they just do check those boxes, how many games do they win? Yeah. Over 50. Yeah. A ton. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it just because they so focus to do that. Yeah, I, I think what's what's interesting about that, like those things you you list off, moving the ball offensively, avoid turnovers, take smart shots, rush back and transition defense. Like we can take elements of all of that and from the outside looking in, apply some of that to Finch, to Ant, and to Cat. Right? Like there, there's not like any of those areas that all three of them are absolved from you know, right? Like there's adjustments in there. There's, there's shot taking, there's emotional control. There's all these things that they all kind of put their, you know, their fingerprints on. And I want to talk about um, all three of them. I don't think this is a situation where uh, it makes sense to like power rank who's most at blame because at the end of the day, it's like whatever elements those three um, hold blame for, it doesn't matter if just one of them fixes it. Like to be the team they want to be, all three of them uh, need to get better in the areas that they're not, you know, that, that they haven't, that is allowing this uh, to happen. I, I want to start with Ant uh, again, not because I think he's the most to blame for the the losses, but he's been here for all three years when, when these things have been happening. I should and, note these things yeah. have dated back for a long time. Like there was a yeah. year, like Tibbs first year, I think like, I it was like December and and I remember writing something of like ranking the worst double digit blown leads of the season like and it, they were like twelve um mm-hmm. so like I guess Cat was even a part of that but like this is just something that has been around for a while and it's something that happens in the NBA yes like yep. part part of what I think is happening and this isn't just the fan base I think this is a right reminder for myself too of these things do happen in the NBA you know. And like the really good teams, we, we said this all the time last year when they lose to the Pistons, like the really good teams lose to the Pistons at home. Sometimes it, it happens. It is the repeating of the behavior, 
that is when I think as a coach or a star player on your team is when you raise your hand, you go like, we got to get this shit together. And, and that's, what's, that's, what's happening here in all of, all of these areas. And, and with Ant, this being the first year where I think it's like, clearly like ants, the guy, whatever, like he's, he's the best player on the team. I, I think that's why that's where my mind goes to first here, because I watched that game or I watched kind of the, these first three games and I see the the shot selection issues. And that obviously that was more so I thought the Toronto game than the Atlanta game where that just kind of led to a, a crumbling from Ant. I, I personally, when I was watching this game back and like assigning blame to Ant, so much of it was just defense for me. And, and what I'm, when these things happen where the wolves melt down, what I see Ant do is not have a sense of urgency on defense and like finding that balance between I need to get buckets, but I also really need to care on defense to kind of slow this thing down. And that game, I mean, Atlanta, that the Atlanta game specifically, right? They've got two dynamic guards. So you can't just like Jaden McDaniel solve your problem. Like Jaden Gogard, the best player. Um, we've now controlled the point of attack. You need to control it in two places, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. And what I'm watching the game and and I just feel I'm like, I don't think Ant should be having this job right now. He's not, he's not doing the things that are like required to to slow down this player um it wasn't all like in pick and roll coverage and drop coverage or whatever but DeJounte did a lot of damage there um if it's just a straight pick and roll and with Ant and Rudy as the defenders in it and it's consistently getting exploited I'm probably gonna lean towards blaming Ant just rather than Rudy Gobert in that situation who's done that tens of thousands of times uh in in his career and not that Rudy's completely blameless in that but Ant has not shown the ability to consistently be a defender on the ball in the ways they need him to when a team has multiple defenders. And it got me thinking, I'm like, I feel like at some point I would have just put him kind of in that old D'Lo role. Like sure. you're the guy off ball and let's, let's, let's not do this. Eventually Finch got to that in the fourth quarter. I didn't remember this till I watched back. He just put Kyle Anderson on DeJounte because what is Finch's, Thing he always reverts <laughs> back to at a pinch. It's like Kyle Anderson. You would be like, right. like Kyle Anderson to Jante Murray, but Finch went through Conley. He went through Ant. Nikhil was getting scored on. Shake was getting scored on, and he just he gave it to Kyle. They needed that to be Ant uh, in that game, and it's not good that in year four you can start making like the argument that Ant needs to be quote unquote hidden on defense sometimes the way Luca is or Harden is or whatever like. I get that happens in the NBA where these star players who take on all this massive usage sometimes are hidden. And that's just like a plan. Save your energy for offense. That's not how the Wolves play Ant right now. So when he plays defense like Luca does, I don't know. I think Monday night happens and his guy goes for 41 points on 17 of 24 shooting like DeJounte did. So when I think about Ant in that game specifically, I think about the defense and then I think the offense kind of comes in. That was the order of operations in my mind. Yeah, and the offense certainly was careless turnovers. Um, but defensively, like, um, I agree with you. I don't really know if Ant's really ascended as a defensive player at all in the way you would have liked. Like, what is he good at defensively? It's the same physical traits that he's just had for a while. Like, yes, I will take Ant in a one-on-one -on -one situation where there is no secondary, no screener involved or anything. It's just like, yeah. this guy is trying to take Ant to the hoop. Like, mm -hmm. sure, I'll take Ant in that spot every time. But how often is that prevalent in, like, basketball you know like so often you are involved in actions whether that's chasing whether that's defending a pick and roll like mm -hmm. but i don't feel like he's gotten a ton better at those things um so that that hopefully throughout the course of the season here for him is something that you know they are really drilling in with him he is putting a lot of intention to detail and pride into um yeah you know you, you constantly talk about adding to your offensive skill set like defensively 
learn to read the game a little bit more, learn how to like work through pick and rolls, you know, all these types of things. Like how do you like rear contest um, successfully? Like these are all things that Ant hasn't picked up yet. Like you said, it's now year four. It's like, okay, you should be progressing in some of these areas. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you're any more effective in a lot of these than you were before. Like you, you have all the physical tools to be a great defender, but you have to see it. And that's true. Like that's been true for other guys in the past, you know, where it's like, yeah. well, it should be good. Um, but it, it, there's like a want to, and there is a growing understanding that you have to have of the game as well. Um, mm -hmm. So those are things. And then uh, offensively though, I would say I didn't always love the shot selection and like, even when you're like getting into the paint and I noticed this a lot in that game. And I kind of looked at the numbers just through three games, like Minnesota's like getting to like, not the rim, but mm -hmm the like Fringes five to yeah. 14 foot range and so mm -hmm. finch like throughout the stat of like two for 13 in the third quarter at the rim it's like nope two for 13 in the paint yeah. and in the paint the paint's a pretty big area and i'm a lot of these it's like you are on the edge of the paint i, I was looking like i like at, that at the rim in in like uh in for the league right now they are like bottom third and just like number of attempts at the rim uh it, interesting in, within five feet it's maybe like 18 or 19 just quick glancing at this mm -hmm. and then five to nine feet they are the number one team in shot attempts per game interesting. Uh, which is not a layup you mm -hmm. know like and a lot of these are contested like you know trying to put it up over another big like ant driving in and trying to put it up over somebody else not like a terrible shot but not like these are or, not, or it's like, like a cap high post efficiency up. shots yeah it's like and a it's, cap post up where he isn't really burying the guy all the way at the rim it's kind of again shooting it from like eight feet Correct. Than, yeah. And these and these are the ranges where teams all shoot like 42 to 45%. Like they are less than a point yeah. per possession shots. Mm -hmm. um, and then like 10 to 14 feet. Minnesota is sixth in the NBA in attempts in those spots. And so it's like you are living. It's not they don't look like mid range when you're watching the game, but it's like fringe of the paint where it's not any like it's really not an efficient shot and they're settling for it. And it's usually contested because you're not getting all the way to the rim. Mm -hmm. um, so you can say like, yeah, at the rim, we shot this. It's like, no, that's in the paint. And the edge of the paint is far different than in the restricted area. And you're not right. getting to the restricted area. Um, so like, I, I think there are issues there as well. And maybe that comes down to personnel, but Ant's taking a lot of those shots too. So I think even you could say like, well, he put his head down and got inside. It's like, but he's not getting to the right spot. And maybe sometimes there has to be more trust in the kick out at that point. I don't know what it is, but offensively they've certainly had some struggles in the second half was one of those two and it's just sometimes i just don't love like the general like most efficient shots you want in the game i don't feel like they're getting them that often mm -hmm. yeah and it's a, a to pick that apart there, there's probably a lot of different reasons why right like i i think of that more as a spacing thing of, right like, so do i you know how is amp stopping sure i mean i've seen and actually take a couple floaters this year he normally you know hasn't really taken those like rudy and i've freaked out about rudy having a push shot and all that and th those are important things for those guys to add yeah right it's important for ant to have a floater game it's important for ant at eight feet to be able to effectively throw a lob it's important for rudy to not dribble it and turn it over at, at eight feet but you want you use those shots you take advantage of those shots when the team is taking away the rim and and it doesn't it doesn't feel like the opponents have been taking away the rim. It just kind of feels more so like the wolves aren't getting there. Is, is that what you're saying? You think uh, a little bit? I do think like things are getting contested at that point. Um, hmm. I, I still think they're just not effectively using Rudy as like the outlet drop down. I really don't like, hmm. it's like if like a Capella is picking up, it's like, how, how else can you get the ball to Rudy in those spots? Um, rather than kind of settling yourself for a contested eight footer, eight footed runner or something to that. Right. effect like i i just really think there shouldn't be a way that teams can you know like like deter you at the rim or teams should be able to really mm -hmm. like force you into a tough shot when you have like a rudy there um right. i still just think minnesota's not good enough at using rudy um i don't like rudy should have a 20 yeah. point game at some point like yeah. i mean in that heat game like the fact that i thought the yes they played well or whatever in the second half like that was a 20 point rudy gobert game written all over it and it doesn't mm -hmm. happen because i just yeah. don't think they find enough ways to use the easy easy opportunities that he presents well i mean I, I think it's like scar tissue from last year of however many turnovers they had trying to force it to rudy in that area or whatever and now it's kind of like it's there when carl's playing now they're really leaving rudy open there and we're not saying leaving rudy open for a post up like leading leaving rudy open in the dunker spot for like maybe not even like a drop step dribble dunk, just like right. he's just open right. um, in that area. I, I don't want to completely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I veered way off. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I want to keep talking about Ant, but I think the Ant part kind of um, 
combos into some of the Finch stuff. I mean, Finch obviously connects to both uh, Ant uh, and, and Cass. We'll take a quick break, but I want to then then we'll move over to Finch. Um, and today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. Uh, we've obviously been telling you all year or for years now that that the that Falling Knife is showing um, all the Wolves games in their tap room. I think that is becoming an increasingly relevant thing now that the games are getting increasingly difficult uh, to to watch at home as Bally Sports, whether it be the app or on the broadcast, I guess, is, is having trouble having these games uh, effectively be broadcasted um, predominantly, as I understand it. Uh, the issues Bally is having right now is with the app. Um, Falling Knife does have like a, the, the cable provider uh, ability to to show the game. So if you're just, if you're like me on, uh, on Monday and you sat down to watch the game and you use the Bally Sports app like I do and it crashed uh, and you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to run uh, that, that risk again. And maybe you live in Minneapolis, you're close by. Uh, Falling Knife always does have the games on there. Uh, and and the sound on uh, as well. So keep following knife uh, on your radar, whether it be tonight uh, for for the Denver game. I'm sure a bunch of people will be there uh, against Denver in a big matchup. Also, then they got Saturday uh, against Utah and uh, this coming Monday uh, against Boston. So that's following knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. All right, Chase. Um, let's continue assigning blame. <laughs> uh, Pointing to, to to the things that we would like to see Ant do differently, Cat do differently, Finch do differently. The coaching one is always difficult. Um, and I feel like when I was like talking to some people on, on Twitter, I felt like I was kind of defending Finch. That, but that was mostly just like frustration with people being like, double team, call timeouts, play zone. Um, I don't think those are the issues here. Uh, I, I think what people, when they're saying those things or they're saying make adjustments and, and to that end, I, I do feel like that's fair to, to point to, to Finch in these situations, in these games that have happened very many times where they've been up 20, that they've blown a lead and it's not always, but when this happens, I think Finch either doesn't make adjustments is maybe too slow to make adjustments or and I'm not in the huddle, so I don't know. He's making the adjustments and the players aren't doing them. And then maybe he isn't enforcing and demanding like, hey, we we said we were going to adjust and we we're going to do this differently. And whoever, um, you didn't do this. Like maybe you got to come out of the game or maybe I got to put a group of four or five guys out there that I feel really confident um, will do those things. I think that is a very difficult thing as a coach when the people you have to hold accountable are your two best players. I do think that that's part of the job though. And given that this is a pattern of behavior thing, that this has happened numerous times for over three different seasons, I, I think it's fair to um, point some blame at Finch. We could get into maybe some more specific, specific things, but I think there's maybe you and I disagree here a little bit. Like, I think you, if we are power ranking it, you put a lot more on, on the players and and maybe a little bit less on Finch than I do. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I also agree that adjustments can be made um, for sure. But I, I also think like what's challenging about this is in game three of the season, I sometimes think like you're trying to get really good at what you want to do. Um, and it's like whether that's certain pick and roll coverages or whatnot, it's like we are going to be this team. We are going to be like this drop team with Rudy. Let's get as good at it as possible. There's going to be some struggles throughout the way, whatever. Yeah. But it's it's different when it is like a year three of things like this or year two of this um, where it's like, we just can't drop for some teams. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, do we need to adjust off of it? Like, I think there is something about setting a tone or like developing your identity early in a season. Um, but like when it is kind of a continuance as well like sometimes you have to be willing to shift off of things and sometimes it would be great if you could shift off things for a half of one game and then get mm -hmm. back into what you do sure um, it but it it is very much like a thing of i often do think like the players can also have some things doing things differently themselves like offensively i'm very much like Ant and Cat kind of do the same things over and over again. Like, no matter what, like, yeah, they have more play calls and stuff. And I've even seen some of those play calls, like in the Atlanta game, but you watch them 
the play calls being run to get things started at the beginning of the play and they run so haphazardly that it doesn't even right. matter. Um, it's literally like you might as well have just given Ant the ball because the way that he just ran off that stagger screen, like he's essentially just coming to get the ball. Right. Uh, so what difference does it make? Uh, but, you know, so like sometimes I do think like there are things that look like the coach isn't doing anything, but what he's doing calling isn't being executed. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think as much as you don't want to like make moves that, raise questions or like looks like you're sounding the alarms in game three of a season. I do think sometimes you got to be like, look, our offense is terrible right now. So I'm even going to take one of Ant or cat out of the game because you can't both be ball stoppers. We can't afford that. We're going to put the ball in Kyle's hands because Mike Conley is sick or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to run some other offense that doesn't as much involve you guys, or you're going to be in the corner or whatever, because we can't just keep doing this, these things over and over again. And hopefully you guys can watch and see what we're doing that, stems the tide or whatever and that can make a difference um defensively i that one sometimes it is like let's get change up your pick and roll coverage or something i understand that this is the type of team you want to be but it, it can be a little tough when like maybe like the coverage just wasn't good enough but now this guy is hot um yeah. and and he is kind of really that, on a that's roll the coverage and, question is the the hot hand thing right which you know different people are going to think different things with that um What's what's your stance on drop coverage? I we've talked about this a lot probably in the past, but I am just kind of of the belief that you'd need some really elite guys running drop for it to be a great coverage. You need I I, I think in the NBA more broadly today, like I don't know, it was like ten years ago, everybody just started playing drop, right? Yeah. And and it, it was really like the analytic movement, right? Like let's yes. force as many mid range yep. shots uh, as possible, and and it was when I think why it worked, what started really working was players like had in their ear from their coaching staff of like, let's try and get, let's try to limit the amount of mid ranges you're taking. And it was uh, this like collision between analytics and that, that player's human nature where it just got like awkward where they're like, okay, I'm open here at 17 feet. Like what you don't want me to shoot this. Right. And, and I think over the course of many years now, like, players have just gotten more comfortable with that understanding it and, and knowing it. And, and to that end, like, while I know it's kind of been like dispelled up and down, like the, as a hot hand fallacy, like right. there is something to be said about when you have the hot hand from doing the same thing over and over again. Like, yeah, you're I not just forcing up anything because you yeah. have a hot hand, but yes. you are more likely to make the wide open shot <laughs> that you just made three other times. Like, yes, it, it, exactly. Like, I, I, I think, I think that that checks out, and that's what happened with Dejounte Murray in this game, and and he's a really interesting like case study for this, where it's he is a dude who shoots a ton of mid range shots. Like, I was looking it up after the game; he led the league in the frequency of taking mid-range shots uh, for combo guards last season. Like, he's going to take them if you give it to him. So with that type of player, I think you can make the argument that, like, we might need to adjust things, like, throughout the course of the game and change his coverage. And I do, in the fourth quarter, they kind of started bringing Rudy up on him. I I think it's kind of wrong to say that Finch made, like, no adjustments in this game. Different guys guarded Murray. They sort of switched coverages. Maybe it was too late. I, I think that would be uh, something to, to rip on him here. But to answer your question, sorry, about, about drop coverage, I think to make it work today because teams are more comfortable at playing against it, I think about it so much more about the guard. who got to be so on, aggressive, I think. It's got to be so – it's got to be the Marcus Smart, the Drew Holiday. We, the, the, you, you said rear view contest earlier, and maybe not everybody knows what that is. It's the, like, it's a pick and roll – you're the guard. You're going over the top of the screen. The ball handler's coming in to shoot the mid-range jump shot right there. And out of their rear view mirror, they should be able to feel you, see you coming uh, to, to contest your shot. Those weren't there in, in that in that game from Ant. Uh, Nikhil, had, Nikhil had a few of them. They weren't really there from Shake when he was on DeJounte. And I will say for Nikhil, like, just watching that game, like, when DeJounte scored on Nikhil, like, there were some tough hits. On I totally. Like, I, like I the totally. threes he was hitting, I was like, Nikhil's there i mean like it's that's Mm -hmm. that's just a guy who is rolling like it it felt like uh when Dejounte was scoring on Nikhil, it reminded me of Nikhil guarding jamal murray yeah yeah, five you know it was like okay you kind of like shrug at that right but but generally speaking this team did not do a good job of those rearview contests and a lot of that was because i you know I, i went through it 
DeJounte had uh, 34 possessions. He took a shot, had an assist, or committed a turnover, and 11 of those were against Ant. Uh, and and that's because he was having – it wasn't necessarily that Ant guarded him the most possessions. It was the cleanest in, in those spots. So by not having the rear view contest, not having the guard really, as you said, like be physical and be up there and making that difficult, it really – opens up the opportunity for a good mid-range player like DeJounte Murray to to go off uh, in, in that sort of way. I think it was just kind of also some sort of unfortunate circumstance where Mike Conley is pretty good at that. He has food poisoning. He guarded him the first five possessions, and then, like, they went away from it, which maybe, like, leads me to believe Mike was like, yo, Finch, if you want me to play, like, 30 minutes tonight, like, I probably can't be chasing guys around. Like, I was puking last night, the the whole night. And then McDaniels is on a minutes restriction. Yeah. Like, if Jaden could play 36 minutes in that game, then you have him maybe toggle a little bit between Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, uh, or you, you at least have that possibility. Jaden only guarded him on one of those 34 possessions, and it was when when uh, Trey Young was out of the game, you know, so sure, right, right. It, it was kind of like a bad circumstance. Atlanta's tough with two guards who can yep. punish you in that action. And I didn't feel like in that game, the Wolves had two guys who could do it. They had Jaden and they needed the second guy to be Ant and Ant wasn't there for that. Yeah, I do think we kind of have to like change our calculation of where Ant set his defender. Like we always do like to like mm-hmm. talk about what he could be. And sometimes yeah. you have to kind of talk about a guy like how he is. Um, and and we, we do now have a pretty good idea of like the matchups that Ant will give you problems in and the matchups yeah. that you will give ant problems in on that mm-hmm. end of the floor. And Atlanta is probably one that you would pick ahead of time and go like, I don't, that's not, those aren't really guys that you just get physical with. And then right. that's it. You know, like they are, you have to be comfortable defending a lot of actions and Ant just mm-hmm. is not. And, and so I think like to the extent maybe that this is where we are giving Finch a little bit of a pass in that game is like, he might not have had the, the personnel depth but, of yeah. personnel to be able to guard both Trey and DeJounte. I, I think there's, there's other elements uh, of the of the Finch thing that are maybe outside of the Atlanta game when they've lost this. It, it's the third quarters, right? Like we 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 saw that time and time again last season, particularly when the Wolves would get up big by like 15, 20 going into halftime. They like you could almost know it was going to be a big letdown to start the third quarter. And and I don't know, maybe I don't know enough about coaching to like understand what role a coach plays in that, but. Tell me if you, if this resonates with you. So the last play of the second half is like the Kyle Anderson going down, trying to get the buzzer beater layup before time expires. He gets there, but misses the layup. And there's this like, you know, not to be like the fun police, but you know, everyone's kind of like laughing and like, you know, pick Kyle up and you know, it's, it's cool, man. Like we're up by 19. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. I remember that type of stuff happening last season literally at the end of the second quarter where like the wolves are killing you know yeah it's the ant and cat are nailing all these shots yep. and as they were and there's this this like when that little bit of casualness comes in at the end of the second quarter they think they that, won. like they, they think they've won they think they've won yeah and again pattern of behavior we've seen that time and again and if i'm finch that's what I'm thinking about as I'm walking into that locker room. As I felt that casualness at the end of the second quarter, we get punked in the third all the time. Like, lock in, you know. And and I'm I, obviously I'm sure I, we're not there. He, I, I'm sure he's saying some of these things. But yeah, yeah, he's not like, great repeated. job, guys. We did yeah. it. Got these guys. Dead Carl, you'll get the next layup. <laughs> yeah. Start thinking about where you're going for dinner after this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just right, get out right, there, right. finish these last 24 and come back in and celebrate. But we yeah. can put some of it on Finch, right? right. Got to do like, something. Yeah, right. It's like right. It, it's it's third quarters, which is also kind of like spills into that managing personalities mm-hmm. type part of, of being a coach. I think that's where, you know, we, we can hold Finch's feet to the fire a little bit more, given how many times we've seen this. It's just such a weird thing. Like, okay, and I don't want to keep going back to this, but again, it was Tibbs' first season. Like, they sucked in the third quarters. Like, they were terrible. Um, And you just put it back then to, like, immature team. Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, all, like, 21, 22, whatever. Like, immature group. Like, you can still see that now out of, like, Ant and maybe even a little bit of Jaden. I don't know, but it's, like, Carl... And Carl, I think, still has a lot of immaturity to his game, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and which is unfortunate at this point in his career. But 
I think they've tried so hard to surround these guys with like veteran players, guys who have been in winning systems before, you know, like who really know how to win basketball games on both ends of the court um, are generally like considered smart players, these types of things. And it's like, so then you just wonder, are they not, is that, is there anything that can compensate to like make this team mature? And is the whole point of like it not being a mature team, just keep going back to like Ant and Cat or even Jaden, is he included in that too? I don't know. They're like, I thought Nas in there too. Nas too. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and, and, but it's just like with the veterans you have, this can't be an immature team, you know, like that. And that's be a, yeah. Yeah. It can't be a characteristic of it. Um, but I don't know, maybe if like your two quote unquote best players still have a lot of immaturity to their game, maybe that is what you will be. And there's almost mm-hmm. no way to compensate for it. Maybe you'll be a decent team, but can't make the jump as until they make a jump in that regard. Um, it, it definitely, I think has to fall on the coach to get it out of them because who else can you put it on? Yeah. Uh yeah, you know, because at some point you can only just keep telling the players to change so much. And then it's like, well, maybe we have to, you know, the coach has to do something different um, because they're just not getting it on their own. It's it's a really weird conundrum in my mind, because you do see like it. I do think that third quarter thing comes from a lack of maturity, but there's only really two people like in that starting lineup or in the top six rotation. You can definitely get to Nas and maybe a little bit Jaden, but like who's got the ball in their hands? Who's really affecting the game? Um, mm-hmm. It's those two guys. So it's very much thing of like they're not getting it themselves so who else is going to get it into their heads of like no we need to keep doing this the right way how we built this lead whatever um but it's it's tough because no way a team with rudy gobert mike conley kyle anderson playing big minutes should be an immature team 100 i i don't want to stop talking about finch because again i think all of these have tentacles that connect it's, it's really hard when when you try to talk about like a coach like how do you make sure guys have the right mentality coming out of the locker room like there are like greg popovich would be like what do you mean what what am i supposed to do to make sure my guys are ready to play in the third quarter you know like <laughs> and and i and i kind of agree with that especially yeah. like when you look at somebody like cat's age and whatnot but and as well even it's like this is not your fourth nba season like and you've lost a lot of games where you didn't come out ready in the third so like Maybe you could bring some of your own mentality here of like, mm-hmm. let's keep doing things the right way. What what have been our talking points all season? Okay, move the ball. Like, let's get into some structure. Let's let's have some offensive flow and defensively. Let's let's do these things back and let's get back. Okay, I'm gonna do all those things again. You know, like that that sometimes falls on the player too. Like, I mean, I understand that the coach plays a role in just readiness, but like, it's, I'm just. I very much am the biggest thing of sometimes how I pull away from coach criticism is I think a lot of onus has to fall on players. I really do. And uh, I think they, their bigger ones let them down in that, in that Atlanta game in the same ways they've let them down in past spots. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's move over to Cat. That that's the one we haven't really talked about uh, here yet. Um, specific to the Atlanta game and what I would have liked to see from Carl, uh, or in really in any of these times where it's crumbling, is the just kind of just putting it on his back, you know, like effectively, right? Not not like killing the the ball movement, but finding a way in which he can dominate. You know, an intention to detail of like, I am great. I can stop this run, you know, and and that doesn't mean just me scoring. I, I, I think about it like a real attention to detail of like, all right, Atlanta started the third quarter, eight nothing. 
I am fighting for a deep position here, eight feet underneath the hoop. They're guarding me with the four. Like, we're going through me here. And whether that's me just being able to score one-on-one on, you know, Jalen Johnson or, like, playing through me to if they're going to come double that we're going to play out of this and we're going to effectively find something there like i want you you mentioned luca earlier in in fourth quarters uh for as like an ant like a, a confidence in luca making good decisions in in those situations and and i was watching the denver game uh against utah yesterday and and jokic does that right and not not to obviously jokic is at a, a level above cap but there is this in that utah game you know utah kind denver's up like 15 the whole time but utah really cuts it close um for the last three minutes and there was just this they just did the murray and Jokic thing and Jokic just two-man game took over and and i want to see that i would love to see that from carl in one of these situations where a 15 point lead has disintegrated and carl was like or right before it disintegrated, Carl was like, no, um, I have this. I'm not going to complain about the, you know, I felt like I was fouled in this situation previously or that, like putting things behind him and being the best player on the floor when his team needs him to be the best player on the floor. It's what the Yokeshes do. It's what the Embiid's do in those situations. Not all the time, but the majority of the time. And it's something Carl does rarely. If at all and 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 that's that's where in these meltdowns where i would prescribe blame uh to carl yeah i agree it's weird like he's having a really hard time asserting dominance offensively right now right like just impacting the game i don't think you i don't have to score 30 to be dominant offensively he hasn't scored 20 in a game yet and i'm not like a huge numbers guy but like sure. there are so few times right now where he looks like a dominant presence um it's can, a challenge. can he can he be like against fours i don't know like because again the year before gobert we we know i mean teams started guarding them with fours they started guarding them with the batums the kyle anderson's the whatever like as we talked about a ton that year and he was really ineffective as a five in the post guarded by fours and now that's the matchup he's kind of like always getting his best spots this season have been when Rudy's off the floor and he's at the five and he's facing a backup five, you know, he's facing precious Achua in the opener, Thomas Bryant, mm-hmm. whatever it might right. be like uh, you need Carl to be able to be dominant against starting force or, or if it's the starting five that that's guarding him too. obviously bam, they put bam on Carl uh, at the beginning of that Miami game. Like, you just need more from Carl to be dominant or just effective in those situations. And I think it's getting reasonable to be, it's becoming reasonable to think that maybe against fours, he, he isn't able going to be able to consistently do that. And against starting fives, like a bam, maybe that isn't something that can be relied on yet. I think it's something this team absolutely needs to have happen to, to make work. Or he's got to shoot like 10 threes and shoot like 44%, you know, and that's right. not happening either. So, right. Because there's know. not, there's not a whole lot of space right now in the perimeter because those yeah. fours are so comfortable guarding you with their foot speed um, that he's not getting like the four feet off of them like centers were in the past, you know, like where it's just catch it and rip it whenever you want. Now yeah. it's like there's not space to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like there's like BAMs and those are a little different. BAMs like For a sure. defensive player of the year type candidate. Um, but just guys in general, like when you have like a four on you, Okay, if you can get the ball in the post, and I've even seen this like in the Atlanta game in like the first quarter, like the center, like Capella's not coming over to help a ton. Sometimes because like Gobert's gravity is felt a little bit. So then mm-hmm. in those instances, like it totally is like Carl one on one on a four on the post. You've got to score. Mm-hmm. Like you, you that that is something that the Wolves have to be like. Okay, we won this possession. Carl's yeah. got to score here. Um, and if the double does come, then make the right decision. Make the easy pass out and go mm-hmm. from there. And even if you're up top, like if they are suffocating you to where you can't get a shot off, either move it or right away be like, I'm going to take a couple dribbles here, but just know that you don't always have to shoot that. And if they if you do suck in the nail help, make the pass out. Like when I talk about Luca, one of my favorite things about Luca is and I've seen it at Target Center. They lose games because they go like 
10 for 40 from three because yeah, yeah. their role players don't knock down shots. But it doesn't matter. He's making the They're right pass every yeah. single time. And maybe they do all miss and they go ice cold and it's like, wow, okay, they only scored 92 points because nobody can hit a three. But over the course of the season, if you make the right play again and again and again and again, you're going to win. Um, well, and, and the and numbers bear it out, right? With Luca, you look at any of the pick and roll numbers, you look at the pick and roll, like, plus Pat, it, it is over 100 possession sample size, 1,000 possession sample size. It's so much more effective than the number two and a mile ahead of, like, the median player who do, who does that at a, at a high volume. And, and I think what we're saying with Cat is – he kind of feels more like the median, right? Yeah. In that yeah. area when you're like, I just should be better. And well, and for me, it's mostly like <clears throat> Ant and Cat, like they will maybe make the right play once. And then like if that shot gets missed um, by like their teammate, it's like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to yeah. shoot it because we haven't scored now in three possessions because we just got an open one, but we missed it. So maybe I should take a contested one. Yeah. Well, Carl's like, I need to get to the bucket. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you're trying to drive through your defender and then the nail help defender and, and now you're ending up 10 feet away on that runner that you're like almost behind the hoop as you put yeah. it up and, and yeah, going left and shooting it with the right. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, you're, yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah. like falling down to the floor tough and throwing shot. your arms up and it's five on four the other way. Yeah. Because it's a really tough shot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at least the transition the other way, because you inevitably fell down because you're going like 20 miles an hour as you head towards the bucket. I, um, I want to, I like want to go through it and count those. Like I would get like 10 games in the season and on his drives, what happens on the possession going the, yeah, other the way. ensuing defensive right. possession yeah. because when he's not scoring on a drive half the time maybe more than half the time he falls over did you say that's fair to say yeah half? yeah um and then it's five on four the other way if it's a miss not to mention it's a miss close to the basket and so maybe got rooted down there and it, it leads to i mean that's a big part of when we talk about the transition defense i mean that's another thing i had written down with carl in these meltdowns is just the overall team's uh transition defense the drives are one example of that but it's also just the the general intention uh, general back. yeah so, even like that's where i saw it's not even like in the third quarter against atlanta it's not even like turnover two on oh dunk or something it's like mm-hmm. it is like four on four but like they're Rudy's running not, the other Rudy's, running yeah, <laughs> yeah rudy's not getting all the way to the rim or like and and they just they're bad at picking people up they you know like they're just not no. good at defending in transition in terms of like body like matching mm-hmm. up and not right. even like your own match but it's like get somebody and now like there's one where like four guys pick up three and there's somebody under the hoop for atlanta and it just mm-hmm. is like an easy like just like i think trey young or somebody just just passes to a wide open guy at the rim and it's like why didn't rudy just yeah, run all the way back to the paint. Instead, he's like helping pick somebody up, uh, like stopping ball on where somebody's already stopping ball. It's just they they need to do a much better job, I think, in organization of transition. But mm-hmm. they're just so like they're kind of slow, and I think there's just not a, like a great chance for them to just run back and pick up. Like mm-hmm. so, they're just always like you, when you're running in stride with the other team, like it's hard then to match up with anybody. So uh, to the transition thing, because I think this is related to Carl, not only Carl, this is probably, this is a perfect example of, you know, this is Finch too, this is Rudy too, this is the the, the team. Um, but w- we know last season that uh, when Townsend Gobert were on the floor, uh, opponents played in transition 16.3% of the time. Whatever, that sounds like a random number. That's like the equivalent of Utah, who was last in transition defense last year in terms of the frequency in which they allowed it. 16% of possessions is how often the Wolves were allowing that with Towns and Gobert on the floor last year. Bad. Well, if you look at the three games thus far this season against Toronto, it was 25% of the possessions that Toronto got out in transition against Miami, which I thought felt better. It felt better than my than the Toronto game, but it was still 17. It was just as bad as it was last year. And then you look at the Atlanta game, 19.8%. And this team has not gotten better at limiting transition opportunities for, for the opponent. And specifically to, to Carl and Rudy, it's 23.9% of possessions, almost one in four wow. possessions. Where the And again, we're just we're through three games, and a lot of that was probably in time, the third quarter in the Toronto game where it was just like every single time Toronto was going or kind of almost the whole second half against Atlanta where every single time they're going, um, this is not going to work if these are the numbers. I mean, it has been every game 
in transition defense thus far this season has been has been worse than than last year. And it, again, it's another striking resemblance to the beginning of last season when when was the transition defense the worst right away at the beginning of the year? And we had all these excuses of Carl was sick and Rudy Eurobasket, all this like continuity wasn't there. Well, we were told continuity over and over again. We were told this was a point of intention with this group, all training camp over and over again. And it's a classic example of something that they're saying that they're doing. And I believe they're talking about it. They're just yeah, yeah. not acting on it uh, on the floor. And, and I think if it's Carl, I mean, a lot of that is Carl at the floor, not because he's necessarily lazy, but he's being put in a position where he's, one, not used to needing to, to sprint back. He's used to crashing the glasses. He did the first seven years of his career. Right. Um, and then he just doesn't always have the intention. I mean, the Akangu just outran him for that tip dunk and transition. Um, you know, there, there's just been there's just been a lot of it. So I, I with Carl, I go again to the like, can you stem the tide offensively by just asserting yourself when things are falling apart? And when things are falling apart, can we just at a minimum get back on defense? Maybe, maybe the team starts off on a 14 to 2 run and Finch goes. Or Carl got, takes it upon himself, like, maybe I'm not going for offensive rebounds right now. We guys got to slow this game down and play it in the half court a little bit more where we are very competent uh, in our half court defense. But it, it it sucks to be talking about again. But, man, this transition defense stuff is a problem. It's a big problem, and it's always going to be a little bit opponent dependent. Like, this is where, like, the Wolves are only, like, two and a half point underdogs to Denver tonight. And people are like, how is it not that big? Denver, like, is so good at what it does that, like, Denver's not going to have the same intention about getting out in transition as opponents. I don't think. Like, like you see, like, a Toronto, and it's like, let's just run. I mean, Jokic and... is going to try and outlet them. But, yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, like, throw it down to the runner. court. But it's yeah. not like it's not like a ball is made. Go. You know, yeah. like, yeah, Jokic agreed, will have agreed. a few examples. And, like, they like Denver, like, embarrassed Minnesota on a few possessions last mm-hmm. year um, where it was like. It's a hit-ahead pass. Yes, rather how than... does that turn into transition? Uh, it's mm-hmm. not going to be, like, every possession we are bolting. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's not going to be a significant part of the game plan. Like, this is how we. Like, it was for game. Toronto. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's where, like. Now, Denver is just more comfortable with what it can do in the half court. If something's obviously there, great, take it. But they're not going to just push it because to push it. Um, yeah. So, like, that's where, like, Minnesota gets to play more half court defense. And then you see how it matches up from there. Like, But so many of these opponents, and this, I stand by, this is why they lost to lesser teams last year and will be very vulnerable to lose to lesser teams this year. When you've got a team like a Portland, that's all they want to do. Like, they can't really run sets and stuff. They just want to push. They've got a bunch of young athletes who just want to get out in the open court. So they are automatically playing to take ahead, to take advantage of Minnesota's biggest deficiency just because that's what they want to do anyway. Um, so, like, that's why I do think, like, teams that are just not capable of running, like, much of an offense or much structure and just want, mm-hmm. just are young and athletic, like, I think those are the teams that will always provide Minnesota problems, even if they provide nobody else in the league any problems. Well, and those teams are not going to want to play the Wolves in the half court because I think the Wolves are going to yeah, be an awesome right. half court defensive team this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Same like, here. But really, those, those teams can't play half court offense anyway. So they don't want to, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like against literally anybody. So yeah. then it's just how much can we get up and down? Let's try to get up and down every single possession. Mm-hmm. And the Wolves, even on possessions where you'd be like, this shouldn't be a transition opportunity. Mm-hmm. It can be if you're super aggressive with it. Right. So I do think that's just a major thing. And we'll see how it plays out this year against like the bad teams uh, that are, where it's like, how is this game so close? Because they've literally lived in transition. So you've got these guys who are, you know, like still very much developing, but they can they can get up and down the court and and hit an open three in transition or a layup or whatever. And it's the Luca thing, man. Like transition offense. Like we we, we do all these numbers, like one point two points per possession versus point nine. You go point uh, three. Like what what does that really mean? It's Thirty points well, <laughs> over the game. Over yeah, the, yeah. Hundred possessions. It is you know and. And that's the difference. Luca is that level of pick and roll player where the median player is a point not, you know, like it, it, it's the same thing where it's when it's happening over and over again, it's going to make a eight, nine, 12 point difference um, in, in the course of the game. And until, yeah. And until this group finds ways to stem that they're going to be going against that eight to 10 point transition deficit a night and maybe even more because this Wolves team is not a transition offense team no. you know like the, the differential between where this team is in transition offense versus transition defense this year is gonna be huge even if they get better at at transition defense so 
it's uh, obviously it's a point of emphasis, but it needs to be a point, uh, a point of change for this team, for sure. It, it's so weird that when this team was constructed, it was like, well, it should be a really good regular season team and we'll see how they do in the playoffs. But now, like with just like their inability to play in transition on either way, it's like actually they're much better suited for the playoffs where yeah, teams really don't get up and down. Like it's yeah. the exact opposite of what we thought. And that was obviously one Denver matchup. I don't know uh-huh. how other people would have attacked their big thing in general, but like it, it is more built for the playoffs because like mm-hmm. it's just not as much of an up and down game in, in that way. I mean, I think, yeah. That's probably a separate it's podcast. Just their, yeah, I, 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 get, I agree I with you. you're saying. Yeah, it's just their biggest bugaboo. It really mm-hmm. is. Like yeah. so, like at, at least that is negated. No, I, I I was shocked to look at like what the transition numbers were, and it's been every game. Every you just game pointed at season. the Hawks thing. It was one point six two points per transition opportunity. That means the Hawks were scoring almost every time. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, that is incredible. Yeah, not not good. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk briefly uh about the the Denver game just by looking at uh where the wolves prize picks are for this game i like clicked on this and i didn't like do any research because i just want to go into this looking at this blind the only page i have pulled pulled up thus far is is points in this game uh and 24 and a half Jaden nine and a half i thought that Jaden number is that a little low carl 20 and a half uh conley 10 and a half rudy 13 and a half points um any of those stick out to you or i guess this is a different way of saying do you expect one of the Wolves' five starters in a Denver matchup uh, to be particularly uh, effective tonight? Um, well, it doesn't need to be like specific to what the prize pick number is. Yeah, but, like, all I remember, like, I mean, it's hard not to just go to like the playoff series and like Denver just had nobody for Ant. I mean, they just had nobody, yeah. and obviously, like Ant in the playoffs seems to raise this game to a different level. But I do think sure. one and two. Uh, this is a big matchup defending champs. Like he will get up for that. I would think like he kind of did for the Memphis games last year. Yeah. 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 I think Ant will clear 24 and a half points. Hmm. Um, They just don't really have a, like an answer for him. Not that many teams do, but like if Ant brings his game, I just, they didn't seem to, he looked like he was unstoppable in that playoff series um, with Denver at even full strength. So that's where I would go. It it was an interesting thing last year. Just thinking back to that Denver series where, um, their best player for guarding Ant and their best player for guarding Cat was Aaron Gordon. Yes, and yeah, they it is. They put Aaron Gordon on Cat, right? Right. You know, and they won, understandably. So, yeah. like, yeah, it's just. I think you can't make a decision until you see before you right. See the, that's what's hard yeah, because yeah. if you told me Aaron Gordon's on Cat, so I do think that's how it would play out. Like, yeah. they would they would put Aaron Gordon on Cat. So for me, that would go okay. Anthony Edwards more than twenty four and a half points. Cat. Mm-hmm fewer than 20 and a half points yeah and like you said cat hasn't had 20 and a half yet i i, I don't uh i don't know what uh the Jaden minutes restriction thing is we'll ask right. Pitch about that uh tonight at the game um if Jaden he played 24 against atlanta if he's to 30 um i i just think this is nine and a half here for him and i, I i'm thinking of Jaden as a 10 plus points per game guy 80 percent of games this year like i i just think the opportunities are easy even if the usage doesn't go up much like given how effective his opportunities can be and if he's shooting the ball again which early example of the atlanta game like maybe he is that just that high 30s three-point guy i I think Jaden should consistently be a, a more than you know 10 points a game guy so i would i would say that for this one i haven't really looked at any other ones here is does, does rebounds, is that worth looking at here? Ant, four and a half. That's seeming like kind of a low number for him. Credit to Ant, actually, you know, thus far this season. There's been way more intention uh, about rebounding for him. I kind of like the over on all three of these. Uh, Ant, more than four and a half rebounds. Carl, more than eight rebounds. Rudy, more than uh, 11. I mean, probably not smart to take to take all of those. Uh, but I think this is going to be a better defensive rebounding team this season, which I think over the course of the year, Rudy averaged like 11 and a half per game last season. I would anticipate now that being over 12, maybe even 13 uh, a game over the course of the season this year. But maybe those three kind of cannibalize each other in in some ways. What, what have you just thought about the Wolves rebounding thus far this year? Definitely improved, um, I think, for sure. And Ant has been a, a part of that. Like, I don't feel like they're getting beat on as many, like, as many long rebounds either um it's not yeah. at least it has not 
to date through three games, there were definitely games last year where you could point on be like, yeah, they lost this game on the glass. And they have mm-hmm. not done that yet this year. So that's that's a pretty big step forward. I think that is the one thing like close Wolves observers, that would be their biggest positive from this year is just the improvement in that department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just noticed Jokic, 11 and a half rebounds. I will say he would, would get more uh, than that. Obviously, uh, um, we're not going to go through every one of these categories, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can see here, we, we don't normally or haven't yet this year really looked at the NBA ones. They have points plus rebounds plus assists in a game um, for obviously not just the Wolves, but all of these assists, defensive rebounds, three-point, three-pointers made, all that sort of stuff. So if you want into, uh, now that it's NBA season, try out prize picks, NBA version. Uh, obviously, that's up there, and they have plenty of uh, of Wolves options. So if you are watching uh, Wolves Nuggets tonight, or maybe you're listening to this uh, later this week and you're thinking about it for Wolves Jazz, uh, check that out there. I, I do think this is the time of year where a lot you of can these get numbers, them. these yeah. numbers are based yep. on last year's stuff. Right. So if you're watching the Wolves closely, like I think Ant would be a perfect example of that at four and a half. If you're a believer that Ant is going to rebound better this season, you might have some profit to be made here early on in the year where they're they're going off of Ant last season when we right. know Ant didn't really uh, care about about rebounding that much. So, anyway, guys are around the league with like scoring and whatnot too, where it's like, well, this year they're probably going to be this type of score. You yes. know, like mm-hmm. like it's it's like somebody's maybe like, oh, well, last year he averaged twenty and a half, so like his numbers at twenty and a half, but you fully expect him to be a twenty five point per game kind of guy this year, like those types of things. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like. I was doing my waivers for fantasy football before this. And it's like, once you get to the middle of the season, there's like, right. All the guys have kind of, we've kind right. of figured out what the roles you are. You know who, who they are. are. It's totally like stuff. outside of major injury. It's like, you know, yeah. what, kind of what to expect. You make your money in fantasy football on the waiver wire, like weeks one through three, yes. right? When yep. people haven't really picked up on how uh, the, the roles have shifted. So I think that's where, you know, how these over unders kind of, kind of work here. Uh, as well. So anyways, that's pricepicks.com, pricepicks app, promo code Dane for a $100 signup bonus. Jace, I will see you uh, at the game tonight. Uh, We will see how this Wolves team matches up against a team that I got so much credit for being a great matchup uh, against. And 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 we're not going to super go into that right now. I think there's reasons to believe that some of that uh, is true. I have some skepticism on some angles of, of some of that stuff, but uh, here, here's an opportunity, right? If you're the wolves, like you really, you really messed it up on Monday uh, mm-hmm. against Atlanta. Right. You got an opportunity against the defending champs who you believe in that locker room, in that coaching staff, they believe that they match up well with Denver. Well, here you go. Show it, uh, get yourself back on track, get to two and two. Let's not let this spiral into one and three. Um, when you got Utah and Boston coming up next here too, like the attention to detail, the things we listed off today that have led to these meltdowns, you got to check those boxes, man. You're, you're, you're playing the nuggets. So I, I'm interested to see how, uh, how the wolves respond tonight. Check them for 48 minutes. I mean, or check them for 44 minutes. Like then yeah. Denver's the type of team that will hit you in the mouth for a couple runs. Like don't fold. Don't, don't revert mm-hmm. back to bad basketball. I do think one of the reasons why they, match up well with Denver and I don't want to go too, too deep down this road either is like that is where like anti-isolation ball when you really don't have somebody who can match up with him like it works and Nikola Jokic is not like this ultimate rim protector like so like anti-iso ball where even it gets bad it's like not great offense um it works out better at a higher mm-hmm. clip than it would at other times but like just play good basketball for four quarters and see where you stack up I wouldn't be surprised if Denver is also like yeah we know Minnesota pushed this last year um we've heard that they think they're a great matchup all these things like Denver is really good at coming up with their own motivations through Mike Malone uh mm-hmm. for reasons to come out and show things um wouldn't be surprised at all if Denver brings a great effort either you know, uh, I should have thought of this while we were doing the looking at the the points. I think Rudy Gobert is going to have more than 13 and a half points in this game. You, what, what triggered this in my mind is uh, you bring up Jokic at the rim where he is very underrated, uh, actually, in, in his ability to just kind of yes, get in the way. Great defend hands. at the rim. Yes, yes. But, yes, but yes. watching them play against Utah, there was ample situations where they were just able to throw it over the top of Jokic once they got downhill. And it was Kessler was he, I think Kessler was like 10 of 11 from the field or something like that. And had like, had like 20 points. And it, it was in the exact same way where it was like, 
Taylor Horton Tucker coming downhill. Jokic has to come up a little bit, and let's just throw it over the top of his head. Kessler lob threat, lob threat, lob threat over and over again. Um, you know, whether that be for 13 and a half points or not, like that should be a point of intention and a way to hurt uh, this Nuggets team is to take advantage of your size and your vertical ability that you reach higher uh, than Jokic. So I guess that's a, yeah. a much better look than six feet out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your point. Yeah. I mean, it's time and time again. Yep. It's like, these are those mm-hmm. things like, okay, Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards, you're in year four. You've yep. got like, you just all the tape from the game that Dane just watched. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of tape of, um, it'll yep. play through in, in the locker room pregame. Uh, you know, we'll show like these opportunities consistently take advantage of it. Don't do it once. And we're like, Oh, maybe they're mm-hmm. figuring something out. Do it four oh, it's times. There. It's do there. It four times. Yep. You know, like, I mean, it's take advantage of easy buckets, see the mm-hmm. game, uh, and adapt to the game. And, just play it the right way. You and know, it's like, been better at that thus far this season. The lots of Rudy times, have been, you know, yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not like, well, let's I mean, acknowledge I, it's I, been better too. Like, it has yes, been. I agree. It's been better. It's a, it's a, it's a growing process. It's just something they're hammering home so much that I would love to see a game where it is so intentional, like mm-hmm. on just and time, it time to get it until it's not there. Yep. And now they're in between and now you can attack yep. uh, with, with like your traditional mm-hmm. vigor and have it be very successful. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Jace wrote about this kind of who's to blame, where are the meltdowns uh, coming from topic. You can uh, read that over at the Pioneer Press. Obviously, you can uh, follow Jace uh, on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Uh, Britt and I will be back uh, sometime, I think, on Thursday afternoon to talk about what goes on uh, in in this Denver game. No Kyle this week uh, on Friday. He's out of town. So this episode, uh, Britt episode on Thursday, that's all we'll have for this week. Jace, appreciate you doing it. I'll see you at the game. Uh, yeah, until Thursday with Britt. He's Jason Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.